Okay, there's so much happening. What else? I brought some books here with me. Uh, these are some wonderful books that we're using for the series that we're in at the moment called Encounter Going Deep. Uh, who was here a couple of weeks ago when we kicked this off? Yeah, a few hands up. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to catch up on the website, thevineyardchurch.co.uk, or indeed on our smartphone apps. And we're looking about going deep with the Lord and looking at spiritual practices, how we can follow Jesus and be like Jesus and, and do the things that Jesus did. And we're basing this series on a couple of very good books. One is from John Mark Comer, uh, who's a preacher, uh, a pastor in Portland, Oregon, in, in uh, California, uh, entitled The Ruthless... Sorry, that's Oregon. That is a state, isn't it? California is underneath Oregon. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of the Modern World. Who wants some of that? Uh, it is in the bookshop. I encourage you to get that one. But equally, a classic here from Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline. Seems a bit strange, doesn't it? Who wants to celebrate discipline? We've made discipline such a bad word, but it's really not. It enables us to grow. And so I'd encourage you to um, get that one as well. You can find that in the bookshop, A Celebration of Discipline. Well, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I kicked off this new series by um, looking at the danger of becoming a Sunday encounter junkie. And uh, I, I shared with you my story of how I became a Sunday encounter junkie and how my loving wife challenged me one day and said, mm, what happens about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? And um, I share that because I suspect the church hasn't helped this. We seem to focus and emphasize the Sunday encounter and minimize what it means to have a daily encounter with Jesus. You see, every time we encounter Jesus on a Sunday, it's an invitation to encounter Jesus on a Monday. Did you know that? That every time we encounter Jesus in this place, and I love the way we encounter him here, it's an invitation to encounter Jesus out there. And the first part of the series, which was encounter and invitation, we looked at these amazing stories of men and women who encountered Jesus in the gospel accounts, and they were always an invitation for more. Always an invitation for more. When Nathaniel was called from Jesus under the fig tree, Jesus essentially said, you think it was impressive when I saw you under the fig tree? You should come and follow me and see even more amazing things. That's an invitation. An invitation to Mary and Martha, an invitation to so many men and women. And so when we encounter Jesus, just as the first disciples did, when Jesus said, throw your nets into the deep, and they got a huge catch, they didn't say, well, that was wonderful, Jesus. Thank you for that. We'll see you next time. Jesus said, drop your nets and come and follow me. And that's what this going deep is all about. Because it's a call to walk with Jesus. And the problem you see is that we live in a culture that would try and steer us in the opposite direction. A culture that says you don't need to walk with Jesus daily, you don't need his presence because we've got this thing called progress. And as long as we progress into this linear direction to utopia, you'll be fine because we're smart enough now to figure out what we need. We've got enough material wealth that we can call, create for ourselves a peaceful environment. Etc., etc., etc. And so, inadvertently, it's not that we sign up, as I said a couple of weeks ago, it's not that we sign up to this manifesto, it's that we find that we're very in danger of being colonized by it without us even noticing. And so, the, the invitation of Jesus is an invitation to walk with Him in a very intentional and counter culture, cultural way. And it's not easy, is it, going against the grain of culture and society? It really isn't easy. But Jesus says, listen, you make those few steps and follow me. And what you'll discover is that my, 
my yoke is light, my burden is easy. And that's what brings us to um, Matthew eleven twenty eight, which forms, if you like, a, an anchor to uh, this whole series, which is one of Jesus' most amazing invitations, one of about 20 that we find in the gospel accounts. And I'd like to read it to us all. It's from Matthew eleven twenty eight to 29. And I'm going to read it from the message version. And I want you all to close your eyes as I read this. And I want you to breathe in through your nose. Breathe out through your mouth. Stop thinking about the stuff you've got to do this afternoon. Stop thinking about the problems you had yesterday. Breathe in through your nose. Out through your mouth. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Thank you, Lord. Anyone want to recover their lives? Anyone feeling burdened and weary? Anyone discovered that walking through the culture of this world just doesn't give you what you need? Anyone want to say yes to Jesus' invitation? Well, he says this, keep company with me. Watch how I do life. And this is really what it means to practice spiritual disciplines. It means to do the things that Jesus did. Because as you do them, you'll find that it is the rest that your soul needs. And these are the spiritual disciplines that we're going to look at over the number of weeks. Let's get them up on the screen for you as a list, and I can talk about the first one. And the first one this week is going to be silence and solitude. Hannah, you can put the rest of those numbers up if you wish, just so people can see what we're going to be looking at over the weeks. Now, all of these things are things that Jesus did. And I don't know about you, but if it's good enough for Jesus, if the Son of God needed to do these things to be healthy and spiritually alive, then I reckon probably we should do them. Pride will tell you, no. Pride will tell you, I don't need to do these things. That is old-fashioned. You know, it's for, for 2,000 years, the church have, has been doing these things. It's only the past 40, 30 years that it started to drop off. And so we're going to learn each week what it means to do these, and we're going to look at silence and solitude. Now, what do we mean with silence and solitude? When we talk about silence, we mean external and internal silence. You see, external is about positioning yourself in an environment where you minimize the amount of stimuli, the amount of noise. You know, putting yourself in an environment where you don't get the phone notifications, you don't have music playing in the black background, quiet as it may be. You don't put yourself in an environment, in a, in a coffee shop where there's bustle and conversation that you kind of like to listen into. <laughs> it's about minimizing external noise. 
And that's where solitude comes in. You see, solitude is just finding a place where you can be quiet. That's all it means. You know, Richard Foster in his book, this book here, says this. I love it. Uh, Loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. Kind of like that. We think solitude means loneliness. It doesn't. It means positioning us so that we can be fulfilled through his presence. But it also means inner silence. You you can find a quiet place, sit down and start going through your to-do list that you're not being silent. You might give the impression of silence, and certainly the Pharisees were good at that. But it's about being quiet on the inside. And uh, as as myself and the team go through all of these with you each week, we've been doing these things. We're not preaching something that we haven't gone through. And I have tried this, and I have to admit, the silence and solitude does not come naturally to me. This has not been easy. Really difficult. I discovered that I just don't do silence. And I discovered, and I have a confession. Can I, are we in a safe place? Can I confess my sins? Not only do I not do silence, but I am a noise addict. And in a spirit of modeling what it means to confess one's sins one to another, I've prepared a statement that I would like to read to the church upon my addiction to noise. Are you ready for this? Don't be scared. It's fine. I haven't passed it by the trustees or anything. I think our chairman's up there somewhere. It's fine. He's just smiling. Hello. My name is Mark, and I am a noise addict. I first became aware of this addiction to noise when I decided to put myself in a quiet place to be silent. Initially, it felt novel, pleasant even, but after what seemed like forever, but was actually only two minutes, I automatically went for my phone to get the latest news update, driven by a need to fill myself with information. Three clicks later, I had skipped from BBC News to Insta and back again, without even thinking about it. Seems my thumb remembers what to do even without me. Then, having circled through WhatsApp, email, text, and back again, and wondering why no one was chatting right now, and why hadn't they replied to my messages, I remembered that I was supposed to be in silence. It was then that I forcefully turned off my phone, an exercise which seemed akin to killing my best friend, (laughs) but nevertheless necessary to stop the constant cry of attention from it. I then closed my eyes again, only to start thinking about the perfect Spotify playlist to play for this silent moment. (laughs) Realizing the apparent but culturally accepted paradox, I closed my eyes again. After what felt like forever, but was actually only five minutes by this stage, the silence became unbearably loud, and I decided to drown it out by composing an email I needed to write that afternoon. And I conclude my statement with these remarks. It seems that noise has become so prevalent to me that I can no longer hear it, and silence so rare that it has become all too loud for me to bear. And so, a bit tongue-in-cheek, of course, um, but this was my experience. It wasn't until I tried to put myself in a place of silence that I realized how addicted I actually was to noise, how uncomfortable it was to be silent. Because the reality is we don't do silent anymore. Think about it. When are we ever silent? We really are not. Um, There's a great article in The New Yorker uh, in September 2016, which is entitled, I used to be a human being. What a great title. 
written by a guy called Andrew Sullivan. I'd like to read you this. This is very interesting. He says, Modernity, which is the, the, the era that we find ourselves in, slowly weakened spirituality by design and accident in favor of commerce. It downplayed silence and mere being in favor of noise and constant action. The reason we live in a culture increasingly without faith is not because science has somehow disproved the unprovable, but because the white noise of secularism has removed the very stillness in which faith might endure or be reborn. And that is so true. And so, let's look at Jesus. Having said all of that, what about Jesus' life? Well, you see, Jesus walked in silence and solitude. He started his ministry. We all know the story. He was baptized. And then he went where? Into the wilderness for 40 days. Well, the Greek word for wilderness is eromos, which actually means a deserted place, a place of solitude. And what happens at the end of the 40 days? The enemy comes to tempt him. Now, whenever I've read this, I've thought, oh, that pesky devil gets him at his weakest point. He must be starving by now. But actually, as John Mark Como reflects in his book, The, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, actually it wasn't. It was a point of his peak power because he had been in the presence of the Lord for 40 days. You see, Jesus started his ministry from a place of silence and solitude. Imagine if we started our day and our weeks from a place of silence and solitude. Now, was this a one-off occasion? Jesus said, right, I've done my silence and solitude, tick. No, his ministry was filled with it. Luke 5, I've got some scriptures up here for you. Luke 5, 15 and 16, it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Mark 1.35, his first day in public ministry. What does he do after an amazing action-packed day? Does he say to the disciples, come on, let's go have a party, let's go celebrate, let's go chill out? No, he went to a lonely place to be with his father. Mark 6.31, he says to his disciples, come, come away with me. And so what do we see here? We see this pattern, and again I'm quoting from John Mark Homer, of retreating into the presence of the Lord with silence and solitude and then returning out to do the work that God's called him to do. But you see, we live an opposite way, you see. The way we live things is we go out into the world and we get completely burnt and scorched and then we rush into some shade. And we get into this perpetual cycle of scorch and shade. What if we've got it the wrong way around? What if we should be returning into, uh, retreating into the Father and then returning out to which he has for us? And so, once again, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. You know, Jesus says, come and follow me. Walk with me. Learn from me. Do the things that I do. And yet, we say we're, we're Christians and then we think, but I'm a Christian because I do the stuff of Jesus, but I don't want to be like Jesus. You know, we know Jesus as our saviour, but do we know him as our teacher? And this is really challenging because Jesus is saying, you've got to live your lives like me. And the thing about these spiritual disciplines and practices is they're good for us. This is the whole point. More than that, they're good for us, they are God's design, they're God's best. You see, Jesus modeled what it meant to be human, what it means to be human. This is how you are ought to live your life the way God created you to. And so silence and solitude is part of how we live our lives the way God has created us to be. And what I want to look at is five benefits to silence and solitude. Five benefits, five reasons 
why we should be doing this. Okay, let me kick off with the first one. It breaks the habit and lie of doing. You see, the danger of always just doing is that our value and our self-worth comes from the things that we do, not from who we are. You know, it seems that our greatest achievements are the things that we have done and created, not for who we are as a person, the way we, we, we demonstrate love, the, the way we pour out grace and mercy to people. No one, who's known for their achievements in that, I'm afraid? Our achievements and our self-worth, well, I've done this and I've done that. And we almost have a mental checklist that we go through when we're feeling low to say, no, I'm okay because of what I've done. But you see, when you're in a place of silence and solitude, it breaks that. You see, what if we got our self-worth and our value by just being? Now, isn't this interesting? What happened before Jesus went into the wilderness? He was baptized, he comes out of the water, and then Father says what? This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. You see, Jesus went into the silence place, in the place of solitude, knowing that his value and self-worth was not the stuff that he did, but because he was loved from a father. That's radical. What if, what if we could walk in that? What if being a son and a daughter of, Jesus, of, of the father was enough? What if we weren't driven to do stuff to get, to get people to like us and love us? What if it was enough just to know that this is my daughter, this is my daughter, this is my son, this is my son with whom I am well pleased? What if that was enough? I reckon our world would look very different, wouldn't it? And so the thing is, when you come to a place of silence, what you'll find as you try this is that one of the first things you'll think about is, I haven't got time for this, I need to do That's where your mind drifts. And so a place of silence breaks this. It breaks this cycle of doing stuff. Number two, it helps renew our souls. So what is a soul? Well, it's the part of us that is eternal. It's it's the essence of us. It's who we are as a person. It lives on after the body. You know, St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, says this, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord. And our heart, you could put soul here, is restless until it finds rest in thee. You see, we are created to worship. We are created to be in his presence. And as long as we are out of his presence, there is this yearning. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. And you see, when we get to a place of silence, when we get to a place where we just be, we connect with God and we feel his presence. You know, that which you give your attention to, you become aware of. So when you start saying, I'm just here for you, Lord, his Holy Spirit works in us and through us. And it's as if we get filled, our souls get restored. I started this, and I haven't been good at silence, but... I find the more time I spend, the more it fills me up. I can spend half an hour watching something and I come away feeling like I've just had a Diet Coke, lovely though that is, or I can spend 10 minutes in his presence and feel like I've had an amazing, refreshing, sparkling mineral water. You get the point. 
Be still and that I am God. You see, a lot of us don't know the way God intended because we're never still enough. We never make a decision to go to a place of solitude and be silent in his presence. Psalm 62, 5 and 6. My soul, wait in silence for God only. For my hope is in him. For some of you, you're here this morning and you feel hopeless. What if, what if instead of trying to find the latest podcast, speak to somebody, get as much prayer as possible, what if you just spent 10 minutes in silence and said, my soul rest upon the Lord? What would happen then? He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold, I shall not be shaken. See, Jesus was not able to be shaken when he resisted the enemy in the wilderness because his soul had been refreshed by being in the presence of the Lord. Now, this is fascinating because what was the temptation of the enemy, the first one to Jesus? He essentially said, why don't you go and tell these rocks to be bred? Then, you'll be, then I'll know you're the son of God. In other words, get out of that place of just being and start doing again. I find that fascinating. Okay, that's number two. It helps renew our souls. Number three, it helps renew our minds. Did you know that silence can literally grow your brain? Did you know this? This is fascinating. Over the last two decades, scientists from different fields have discovered the positive effects that silence has on your brains and our health. Now, there's a part of the brain which is um, used for higher order thinking and problem solving. And if you have too much noise, it's put under significant burden. And so what they found is that with this, you become more quickly drained, become distracted with constant noise, which, by the way, fuels this cycle. Because, you know, it's like when you're distracted, you go to something and you're just distracted. And you start snacking on content, you know, whatever it might be, on your phone or on the computer or listen to something. And so what they did, they did this study and I read this in my new favorite journal, which is Brain Structure and Function. <laughs> I'm not going to get the monthly subscription, but it was fine for this week. <laughs> and they, were, they did a study on mice in 2013, and um, they wanted to compare the effects of ambient noise, white noise, pup calls, and silence on, the, on, on their brains. And what they did, they wanted to use silence as a control for the study. In other words, a baseline to see where it went up and down from. And they actually found that two hours of silence daily led to the development of new cells in the hippocampus, which is up here, a key brain region associated with learning and memory. In other words, the way God has designed our bodies is that we need periods of silence in order for our brains to be healthy. We are not designed to live in constant white noise and noise and noise. It puts a drain on our brain and our resources. And so there are real practical reasons why having a time of silence every day is good for you. It's healthy for you. But number four, I know you're fascinated by this list, aren't you? I can see it in your faces. Thank you. <laughs> this is important. We can hear ourselves. We don't like hearing ourselves. You know, they're, they're in NASA, if you, anybody want to be an astronaut? No, no, a couple of you want to be around. Fantastic. If you want to be an astronaut, NASA has to put... We've got another one over here as well, a boy over there. Nice. How old are you? 
Nine, excellent, you've got plenty of time to be an astronaut. Well, what's your name? Daniel, great name, my son's called Daniel as well. Well, Daniel, if you want to be an astronaut, do you know what they do? They put you in a chamber to, to, um, so that you can get used to space where there's no noise. And they put you in this chamber, and the most that anybody is able to be able to stay in there is 45 minutes. Because you literally cannot hear a thing. In fact, no, you can. Do you know what you hear? You start hearing your heart. You hear your breathing. As you move your face, you hear the muscles move. You literally become the sound. That is a perfect metaphor for when we go to a place of silence. Because we finally start hearing our souls. And we hear things like, I can't, can't do this anymore. We, kinda, we hear things like, you know what, I should love that person more. We hear things like, you know what, if I served a little bit more. We hear things like, I should really forgive so and so. We hear this stuff and we never normally give ourselves enough time to hear what our souls are saying. Because sometimes we don't want to hear it, actually. I've been doing this, and one of the things that keeps coming up is anxiety for me. Now, ordinarily, if I'm going through the day and I feel a tinge of anxiety, I would do whatever I can to suppress that and move on. But what if in the place of silence, God wants it to come up so that he can deal with it? What if in a place of silence, when we become the sound, we can say, Lord, this is just too much for me. And we give it to Jesus and he deals with it. It's scary when you become the sound. But I think for many of you, you'll find healing in this place of silence. Issues that are so suppressed and buried that up until this point, you've never given the time to say, Lord Jesus, I need healing in this area. So can I encourage you to be the sound? To be the sound. But number five, and this is where we end, we hear God. You know the story of uh, Elijah, one of the great prophets. He had just been in this showdown with uh, the prophets of Baal. And, and fire comes from heaven and licks up all the water. You know the story, you can read it. But then he goes and retreats out of fear into a cave. And we join the story at 1 Kings 19, 11, verse 11. And I'm going to read this to you. The Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave in the presence of the Lord. For some of us, we have not heard the voice of God because we have not put ourselves in a place where we can hear the whisper of the Lord. Whisper of God. Are you so hungry for his voice that you're willing to put 10 minutes out a day? 
Are you at the end of yourselves and you want to take up Jesus' invitation that you're willing to be in a place of silence and solitude so that he can restore your soul? So that we can hear ourselves and that we can hear him. So what does it take? Let me give you some some tips and then we're, gonna, we're not going to invite the band up. We're going to have a time of silence together. How cool is that? <laughs> not so much solitude, but definitely silence. Number one, here's some tips. I want to make this really practical for you. By the way, before number one, here's the first point. You've got to make a decision that you wanted to do this. You know, as I said a couple of weeks ago, the biggest problem with spiritual disciplines is that we study them and we never do them. If you walk out here and go, that was a good preach, or you may, you may not, I don't want to... <laughs> Assume you'll say that, but <laughs> answers on a postcard, email address, mark at the Vintage Church KDK. <laughs> but you get my point. This is not just so you, you get a good word for half an hour. This is actually life-giving teaching, but you need to put it in practice. You know, Paul said to the church, you're not conform any longer to the pattern this we, of, of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, you know, as Christians, it's, this is not a passive thing being a Christian. Did you know that? Jesus said, pick up your cross. What? Say what? We thought the Christian thing was about Jesus and his cross. Since when do I have to pick up my cross? Yes, you have to die to self. Because it's in the dying to ourselves that we find life. It's in the, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that grace is not free, uh, sorry, grace is free, but it doesn't come cheap. It takes something of you. It says, I'm going to rearrange my life to get to a place of silence and solitude. I, I reckon you could all tr- probably carve out five minutes to start there, but you're going to have to be willing to do this. And I want to say this, if it's good enough for Jesus, if the Son of God, fully God, fully man, spent time with the Father, don't you think we do? And so here's some tips. Number one, identify a time and a place that works well for you. Where is that place? Mine is uh, in the kitchen area. I like looking out at the trees. I find that really helpful for me. Where's your solitary place? I do it in the morning. I like to do it before people get up. I like to do it at the start of my day because it fills me up for the day. Number two, set a goal which you can aim for. Be realistic. Start where you're at. You know, it's, it's practice, not perfection. Start where you're at. If it's three minutes, fantastic. If it's five minutes, wonderful. It's ten, whatever. You don't start, if you want to do a marathon, you don't do the marathon on day one, do you? You practice. So start where you're at. Number three. Right, this is what we do. This is where it gets to the nitty gritty. First of all, put your phone away. I turn mine off and put it in the cupboard. Put away any other distractions. Settle into your place and get comfortable. I like just to sit with a straight back. You know, if it's too comfortable, you fall asleep. At least I do. If you're standing up, you get a bit of sore. Then begin with a breathing prayer. In through the nose, out through the mouth. You can be whatever you want. Like, come Holy Spirit. I'm here with you, Lord. Whatever a prayer works for you. And then just spend a few minutes abiding in the vine. What do I mean by that? You know, the doing comes as a result of who we are. It's not the other way around. Fruit comes, fruit is not manufactured. Fruit comes from abiding in the vine. And so spiritual practices enable us to abide. That's what they're there for. They're life-giving. And just see what happens. 
By the way, you can't fail at this. You just show up. And just give yourself a ton of grace. If your mind starts racing, don't beat yourself up going, I shouldn't be thinking about that. It's fine. Because it's not about you. You show up and it's about his grace. It's about his Holy Spirit working in you and through you. And I guarantee you start doing this and it becomes a habit. And you, which it, Habits are good things. They can be good habits. You get into a cycle and a rhythm. You will start seeing that five minutes isn't enough and you want to do 10 minutes. And you find, you know what, I want to do 15. And you start seeing all these benefits that you are still and know that he is God. And I know that for many of you, you're going to start hearing the whispers of God again. For some of you, you used to hear his whisper. For some of you, you used to hear his voice. And you're saying, Lord, would you speak to me? And you're expecting a clashing cymbal and an earthquake and a fire. And God is just waiting until you get yourself to a place of silence. And he's going to whisper to you. Okay, what we're going to do now is practice silence for a few minutes. So get comfortable. I appreciate I'm forcing you to do this. Bless you, it's fine. (laughs) Close your eyes. Don't get disgruntled. I'm just going to set us up and I'll stop talking. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth.
Amen. How'd you find it? All right? Five minutes that was. That was impressive. Five minutes. I pray that the Lord blessed you in that time. Yeah? What we're going to do now is I'm going to pray. Um, and then I'm going to, um, as I said, we're not going to have the band. I'm going to read words of knowledge that we had. I'll invite you to stand actually with me now. I'm going to read some words of knowledge that uh, we had from the team before the service for prayer. But I want to pray for each one of us. And for those of you that want to, say, um, want, to, want to do this, just in your heart, you don't need to put your hand up or anything, just say, Lord, that's me. And I want to pray a blessing on you. I want to pray a blessing on you. Lord, for all of us who want to walk in this, Lord, and in, in indeed all of these spiritual practices, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to carve out the time. And more than that, Lord, I pray the truth of the power of silence and solitude would grow in our hearts, that we'd be convicted of the need to do so. Lord, if it's good enough for you, Jesus, it's good enough for us. And I pray for each one of us that you would protect those times, that you'd work in us and through us, that you'd restore our soul, that you would heal us up, that you would speak to us, and that we would know our value and self-worth from just being with you. Help us, Lord, to be a people that are counterculture, that we walk a different walk, that we have a different pace, that we follow a different king. And pray, Lord, for each one of us, that we would see fruit from this, I ask in your precious name. Amen. Bless you.